Good morning, everyone. How are you today? If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18. This morning, I have a very practical message for you. It's rubber meets the road Christianity. And it's a subject that people in this world really need to learn, the power of our words. Would you stand with me as we just read very quickly Proverbs 18, verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Listen to that again. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. You may be seated. This scripture is the basis of my message today. We're going to look at several other scriptures as we go along, uh, but, uh, which talk about words. But this is where I want to begin, by speaking about the power contained in our tongue, in our mouth, in our words. Your words matter. Right. My words matter. They have, as the proverb says, Power, probably more power than most of us understand. Your words matter, and your words matter to others. If there is a place where I have the most potential to sin, it would be with my words. I have a sharp tongue, a quick wit, and can cut people down in a heartbeat if I'm not careful. Whether you know it or not, you have the same potential for sin in your words as well as the potential for life. As a pastor, my words matter to many people. I can remember times where I've hurt people unintentionally. I've delivered sermons that, while were true, and I would stand by the truth of what I said, were not well thought out, and the delivery was done in a manner that hurt someone. While truth must be spoken, we need to speak it in love as much as we can in a manner that people can hear it and receive it. Likewise, there have been times when my words have helped people, healed people. Life and death are truly in the power of the tongue. Same is true for you as a friend, a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, an elder, a deacon, a boss, or just as a general human being. Your words matter, and in your mouth is the power of life and death. The NIV translates Proverbs 18.21 as the tongue has the power of life and death. Every single one of us could give testimony, I'm sure, to the truthfulness of the words here in Proverbs 18. We can go back in our minds to perhaps a teacher, a coach, a grandparent, a pastor, a friend, a father, a mother who spoke life-giving words to us. Some of the most powerful words in the world are words like, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I know you can do it. I love you. Great job. In the same manner, we can go back in our minds to hurtful and attacking words that have scarred our souls. And even though it may have been years, we can remember it still and feel the emotion of it like it was yesterday. Things like, why are you so dumb? You're useless. What is wrong 
with you. The rabbis teach that when we harm others with our words, it's akin to spiritual murder. While we might not stab them in the heart uh, with a knife, when we speak harshly to others, meanly to others, we stab them in the soul, which might not bring a physical death, but certainly brings a death of the soul and spirit. Words have incredible power. The words of our past echo into our present and into our future. They continue to shape our lives today for good or for evil. Through the years, I've been amazed at how many people have come up to me to thank me for something I said to them that impacted their lives. Far too often, I'm not even really sure what I said to them. I can also, again, remember times when I said things that hurt people. And so we must be careful with the things we say and careful with the way we receive the things said to us. And so we as believers should use words to bless others. We sang the song last week, uh, The Blessing, where it uses the words that God said to Aaron and to Moses, bless the people in this manner. Bless them. And so we need to bless others with the things that we say. As believers, we need to become experts at speaking life-giving words. Let's be honest, it's a tough world out there. Like the great philosopher Norm from Cheers said, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> Those of you who are young, if you don't know who Norm is, you can look him up on Google or something. But we do not live in a world filled with grace or love. It's the exact opposite. It's an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. It's a mean, careless world. Often our response to a graceless, loveless, dog-eat-dog -dog world is to respond in the same careless, crass, thoughtless manner that the world uses. It should not be so as believers. I use the words... What is wrong with you a few moments ago? But you know, that's really not the question we should be asking. We often say that about people whose actions, whose responses, whose lives are not quite right. I struggled with how to put that. That was the best way I could come up with it. We often respond with that to people whose lives are not quite what they should be, whose responses, whose actions are not what they should be. And the, we shouldn't be asking what's wrong with you. We should be asking the question, what happened to you? You see, because it's not what's wrong with somebody. But this world is filled with broken, hurting people. And that is why they often respond or speak in the way that they do. Underlying wounds are often the reason we find things wrong in people. And our response to their actions, which come out of their wombs is to wound them further by our words. Again, they've been wounded over and over again by people in this world, and no one has taken the time to ask why or to speak words of life and healing and blessing to them. Words of comfort. And this is something that you and I can do. You see, as believers, we have the privilege of speaking life, of speaking healing, of speaking comfort, of speaking blessing, hope, and encouragement into others. 
Proverbs 16.24 says, Kind words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. And here's the great news. You want to know the great news about this? You can do this, and it doesn't cost you a dime. We don't need to ask the treasurer to put a new line item in the budget to be nice to people. It isn't about spiritual gifts or a great personality. It's just simply about loving others with the things that we say. It's about kindness and sensitivity. Proverbs 12, 25 says, Worry in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. The ESV translates worry as anxiety. Anyone notice that our world is filled with people, particularly teenagers and children, that are filled with anxiety? It's an epidemic in the world today. Part of the solution, according to God's word, is a good word spoken to them. It's okay. You can do this. You're going to be all right. I'll be there for you. It's become socially responsible to speak out against things like bullying. And we have all sorts of anti-bullying campaigns and movements, but do you know what the one thing the world has more of today? It's bullying. That's right. And often from those who condemn it. We see it from talk shows to politics, from schoolyards to comments on the internet. The world bullies each other. As adults who grew up before the internet was such an integral part of life, of social life, we can't even fathom the amount of bullying that takes place each day online. That's right. Words matter. I read one pastor the other day who said this. I remember when I was in a particularly tough season of life and ministry. It's a long story, but take my word for it, I was not doing well. And one day my assistant handed me a personal letter that had come to the church. I didn't recognize the name on the return address. I opened it up, and it was a two-page handwritten letter from the mom of one of the guys who was on my team. In the letter, she talked about how much I had influenced her son. The letter came at just the right time. I folded it up and put it in the pocket of my planner, and over the next few months, I read the letter several times. I can't even begin to tell you how much life I took from that two-page letter, and it was all because someone took the time to speak life-giving words. Think for a moment of how God the Father modeled this for us. When the son was baptized, the only begotten son of the father, the father spoke from heaven and he said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. If God the father thought it was important to speak blessing on his perfect sinless son, how important is it for us to speak life in the people who are broken, sinful, and filled with shame? One of the hurdles to blessing people with your words is not meanness or selfishness. It's often just being in too much of a hurry or not paying attention. And so I want to encourage you, slow down and speak blessing into someone's life. Compliment the waitress on a job well done. Thank someone in your life for their friendship and or mentoring. 
Don't fail to speak blessings and kind words when you have the chance. Next, I want to give you a little bit of advice. Learn the art of a good delivery. Earlier I said that I had hurt people by not thinking through my sermon delivery. Learn the art of good delivery. Because sometimes we do have to say things that are hard, that are difficult for someone to hear or accept. Question has been asked, what's the difference between a good picture and a great picture? Their delivery. And maybe a little pitch on the ball to get a little bit of a better grip, but that's another story. To use another analogy, the most dangerous part of any airplane flight is the landing. And just before the airplane lands, they will talk about the plane being on what? Approach. It's all in how you approach the runway. The approach is critical for a successful landing. Your approach, your delivery with words is critical to successful relationships and being able to speak life to others. Using a translation I would not normally use, the New Living Translation says, words satisfy the soul as food satisfies the stomach. The right words on a person's lips bring satisfaction. Proverbs 18, 20. It is the right words that bring satisfaction. And it's not just the right words, it's the right delivery of the right words. That's the point Solomon is making in Proverbs 25, 15 when he says, With patience a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. You see, we don't always need to use strong words to strong-arm people if we use the right delivery and approach. You see, we can be soft in the way that we say things and still say things in a manner that is powerful. When you must have a hard conversation, think ahead of time, not just about what you want to say, but how you want to say it. You can be clear. Your words can be powerful and still be soft. Something that I often do when somebody comes to me for a bit of advice on how to approach a difficult conversation with another person, I often ask them a question and I say, what do you want to get out of this? What is the end result you want to see happen from this conversation? Is your aim to prove the other person that they're wrong and you're right? Are you looking to win this argument or struggle that you are having with this other person? Or do you want things like restoration of relationship, peace instead of conflict, godly repentance as opposed to a forced admission of guilt? Do you want healing or to wound the other person more? If your goal is not a righteous goal, then don't have the conversation. That's right. Because it's not going to end well. And the words that you speak will bring more death instead of life. Your words matter. And so here are some things to take to heart. Diffuse instead of detonate. 
We must all be like a spiritual bomb squad. A bomb squad is a group of people that are experts at defusing bombs. They're skilled and they're trained. We've all been in those situations where someone lobbed a verbal hand grenade into the conversation. And in that moment, we must decide whether we will defuse or detonate. Proverbs 15.1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath. That's the diffuse part. A soft answer will turn away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. It detonates things. The older we get and the more mature we get, the softer we should be and the gentler our words should be. Philippians 4.5, Paul says, Let your gentleness be known to all. I read about a man the other day who was going through a separation with his wife. And he described their situation. As he described their situation, he said, I'm a truth guide. I analyze the data and facts. So when my wife would say that I hurt her, that she didn't feel valued, I would start presenting her with facts. And I would start building a case for why she shouldn't feel hurt. Yeah. Because that works well, right, ladies? It's like the guy on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen him. He gives pro-marriage tips. He says, when your wife feels like you don't love her anymore, remind her of how you could have chosen any one of her friends who are way hotter than she is, but you still chose her. Then she'll know how much you value and love her. That's not a good delivery, and that will definitely result in a detonation. That's right. Probably of the nuclear kind. <laughs> the first gentleman said, I was focused on my rightness rather than responding with love and gentleness. I need to stop building my case and start building a bridge. Proverbs 12, 18 from the NIV says, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. For a moment, let's go to the other side of the equation. How do you receive correction when a brother or sister speaks to you? Learning to accept correction is as important as how to properly deliver what we say. And you see, we need to embrace correction, submit to accountability if we want to mature in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but I still have some areas I need to grow in. I'm not perfect yet. I doubt that you are either. We have rough edges and broken places from our past. Every single one of us has blind spots. And God uses others and their words in our lives to shine a light on our blind spots and to smooth out some of the rough edges. And if I'm going to grow, if you're going to grow, then we need a handful of people in our life that can tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. Everybody loves a pat on the back, don't they? What we really need is friends that will correct us. I need people, you need people who will love us enough to tell us the hard truth. Now, you don't need a lot of people like that in your life. 
And someone who volunteers probably isn't the right person. If they're too eager to tell you all of your faults, probably not the right guy. A young lady was talking to John Wesley one day and said, I think I know what my talent is. My talent, I think my talent is speaking my mind. John Wesley replied, I don't think God would mind if you buried that talent. <laughs> but we all need someone who can speak truth and correction into our lives. And I'm not talking about a person who is a verbal wrecking ball. I'm talking about being open to corrections from a friend who authentically loves you. It takes courage to really open yourself up to correction and accountability. But it is absolutely necessary to our growth and development. Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse or abundant are the kisses of an enemy. Proverbs uses the word rebuke many times and in virtually every instance, rebuke is seen as a gift. That's not what we normally think of when somebody comes and corrects us, when somebody rebukes us. Man, that person is just trying to hurt me. Not when it comes from a friend, a true friend. It's a gift. Proverbs 10, 17 says, Whoever heeds instruction or rebuke is on the path to life. But he who rejects reproof leads others astray. You see, when people love us, people who love us correct us from God's word, it puts us on a path to life. We must see proper correction as words of life. I think an important question that every believer needs to answer is who in your life can rebuke you? Who in your life are you open to having them come to you and saying, buddy, you're missing it. You missed it. This is wrong. This is, you can do better than this. Who can say the hard things that you need to hear? Who can correct you? Who can point out the areas in our lives where we are not measuring up? There's nothing worse. Let me tell you, there is nothing worse than a room full of yes people. Right. that only tell you what you want to hear. It's nothing worse than friends who won't be honest with you regarding your faults. If you want to grow, don't focus on your strengths. Why? Because you're already strong in those areas. You've got to focus on your weaknesses. And to know the areas where you are weak, oftentimes we need someone else to point those things out to us. But of course, faults are the things no one ever wants to hear about. It's like the guy who goes to the gym to become a championship-winning bodybuilder. He already has strong arms, back, and chest, so he spends all of his time doing curls and at the bench press, building up those areas that are already remarkable. But the problem is he always skips leg day. And so here he is with massive arms and a massive chest and back, and he thinks he's something else. But you know what? He's never winning a championship. You know why? 
because he's got these teeny little tiny chicken legs and a skinny little butt. <laughs> he looks silly. And everybody compliments on how, him on how big his biceps are, but no one wants to say, dude, you got to quit skipping leg day. <laughs> we always want to hear about our good points. Again, what we need to hear about is our weaknesses and our areas of lack from a friend who will be gentle, yes, kind, yes, but absolutely brutally, brutally truthful with us. And so we have to learn to embrace correction because godly correction are words that lead to life. Here's another little bit of advice from the Word of God. Learn the wisdom of silence. Just because you can say something doesn't mean you should. Solomon has clear and practical Practical advice on the topic of silence. Proverbs 10.19 says, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. Another translation puts it like this, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Pretty blunt translation, isn't it? Proverbs 17.28 says, even fools, even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. Do you want people to think you're smart? Keep your mouth shut. According to Solomon, you and I can raise our IQ 10 points just by being quiet. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the righteous ponders or studies how to answer. The heart of the righteous, it, it studies, it thinks about how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Again, another translation of the same verse says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking. The mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Having said all that, there will be times when strong words must be spoken, even what we might call harsh words. Last week, I condemned the actions of the terrorists of Hamas and the wicked, evil things they did and the evil that they are. There are not strong enough words in the English language that I could use to condemn them enough, at least not in church. There are going to be times when you have no choice but to offend another, and no matter how you put it, no matter how good your delivery is, your words will not be received. They might even be words of death instead of life. I remember one time when a good friend began to espouse heresy openly online and in public conversations. I knew the moment I spoke, no matter how clever I was, no matter how good my delivery was, no matter how gentle I might be or how truthful I might be, once I spoke out against the things my friend was saying and believing, we were no longer going to be friends. And he would leave the church. I did it anyways because I had to. 
I could not let the lies he had come to believe persuade others. I could not let the infection of sin spread to others, so I spoke, knowing that my words would bring the death of whatever relationship we had left. We must recognize that our words will not always bring life and sometimes must bring death. We are told in the scriptures to tear down everything that raises itself up against the knowledge of God. And sometimes when we speak out in that manner, it brings death to friendships, death to lies and heresies, death to things that must die. Revelation 19 speaks of the return of the Lord. Listen to what it says. From his mouth comes a sharp sword. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. So the example of the Lord speaks to what I am saying. He is the one. How did he bring creation into existence? He spoke it. He said, let the living things fill the seas. Let the living things fill the skies. Let the living things fill the earth. He is the life giver. He is also the ones whose words will cut down the wicked and destroy every lie that has been told. The tongue has the power of life and death. And so my message today is not that we shouldn't ever say something that might offend someone, that might sever relationships, but as much as possible, we want our words, even the tough ones, to bring life and not death. Amen? And when we must speak words of death, May they be done properly and in order with God's word. Psalms 19.14 Let the words of my mouth Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and redeemer. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to the Lord. Amen? Amen. So do not be afraid to speak words of life. And when necessary, do not be afraid to speak truth that may sever relationships. Amen? Stand as we close this morning. Lord, we worship you. And we are so glad that we have received your words of life. Words of life that brought us salvation. That someone spoke the gospel to us. That we would believe and be raised from the dead person that we once were. Oh Lord, as we go forth from this place, let us not forget that the greatest words of life that we could ever speak is the good news of your gospel. We worship you a thousand generations falling down and worship sing.
Yeah. 